So here's the question. How do active people in the Atlanta area stay pain-free and live the active, fulfilled life that they deserve at any age? This is the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Danny Matei, and welcome to the Active Atlanta podcast. The Active Atlanta podcast is sponsored by Athletes Potential. At Athletes Potential, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active doing the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better for life. Head to athletespotential.com to learn how we can help you stay active for life today. What is up, Atlanta, and welcome back to the Active Atlanta Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jake and today, y'all, I am so excited for our guest. She's an incredible human being. She's incredibly good at what she does, and she's super passionate about um, expanding into some of these uh, more advanced topics and some of these things that really I don't have a ton of uh, knowledge or experience in, in talking about, but it's so important. Um, her name is Megan Gillespie. Guys, she's an executive coach. Um, and a therapist. She's dedicated. She's absolutely dedicated to helping entrepreneurs, C-class executives, senior leaders who all want to show up for more authentically and intentionally at work, at home. Um, she's got a private practice here at Atlanta. She's helped hundreds of people. Guys, I can't wait to have her on here. So without further ado, Megan, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Jake. I'm really happy to be here and talk to you a little bit about what I do and how I can help your community. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit beforehand and, you know, um, I feel like there's a little bit of an unfair advantage for those of you that don't know, Meg is uh, Sam's wife and I get to have, like, I get to pick her brain a little bit every now and then when she stops by the practice. So, um, I can't wait to get her on. I can't, wouldn't, couldn't wait to get you on here to like talk more about what you do. Cause I feel like I walk away with a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of knowledge bombs every now and then when I come <laughs> to the office. Awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, it's funny because in my practice, everybody I talk to, when you say, you know, what do you want to walk away with? When you think mm -hmm. about the best version of yourself, who is that person? And there are some common themes that you see with everyone. And it's more meaningful connections, right? Your relationships, having really great, deep relationships with the people around you, mm -hmm. being curious, open, you know, um, enhanced levels of creativity, problem solving, purpose, passion at work and at home and in our communities. And the thing I found with this is with all of these states, all these things that people are saying, I want more of this, more of this, the foundation for this is safety. And when we think about the nervous system in our bodies, we have to have this level of safety to be able to have access to these other states. And so that's a lot of what I do in my practice is help people understand their bodies and how do I know the language of my body, what my body needs, give it what it needs so I can move seamlessly through these levels of regulation, dysregulation, regulation, dysregulation. And one of the myths is a lot of people hear that word dysregulation and what exactly does that mean? And um, so a lot of people ask, what's the difference between anxiety, depression, you know, we have these mood swings or stress and dysregulation. And all of these other states are a result of dysregulation, right? So that tells me that you have a dysregulated nervous system or are getting stuck in some of these states. Mm -hmm. So when you say stuck, like, are you talking about like, stuck emotionally or just talk about being stuck in like kind of like an autopilot type of state like when so like when you're stuck in a state of dysregulation can you kind of talk about like what that means a little bit more 
Yeah. So when we think about our bodies and our nervous system, so everything, our actions, our behavior, our relationships are all a product of where we are in our nervous system. So knowing kind of what this means is really, really important. So you have three places you can be in the nervous system. And I'll get a little neurosciencey, but I'm going to break it down for you. So the top level state is what we call the ventral vagal state. And this is where everybody wants to be, right? This is when we feel safe with our, you know, right now when I'm talking to you, I feel safe. So I'm open to what you have to say. I'm open to connecting with you. I'm open to learning. I'm open to engagement. Um, and I have access to all parts of my brain, right? So I can think with clarity, with focus. This is where we all want to be, right? So think yeah. about when you're in your car, when you wake up, you're feeling good, you get in your car and you're able to drive down the road, you're going the speed limit, you're able to um, have access again to all parts of your brain. And so let's say somebody stops really quickly in front of you you're able to react quickly and effectively to avert any sense of danger, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, again, it's not saying that danger or threat is not happening, but we have a very, um, we're reflexive. We're able to be very flexible in our nervous system and react to whatever is there. Mm -hmm. Now, this is, again, where we all want to be, but of course, that would be in a perfect world. That doesn't yeah. always Right. So life happens and we'll drop down when we sense threat in our environment. And again, the thing you want to consider is threat now in modern day is a little bit different. It's not like a bear chasing us. It might be standing up in front of people and giving a presentation. It could be being worried about feedback. It could be worried about I didn't get the promotion. It could be worried about various things, but our body perceives that as threat. And when that happens, we dip down into the sympathetic nervous system. So this is that second zone. This is when our body is getting ready for fight or flight, right? And we've all sort of heard that. So think of this as an activated state. Think more anxiety, right? Like I can't stop. I've got my motor going and I'm going, 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 and I just can't get a breath, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm pacing the room or I'm having a hard time sleeping or I've got looping thoughts. These would all be a product of being in that sympathetic state. We often sense danger. Um, everything feels like a threat. So I know before the podcast, we were talking a little bit about when we're in that anxious and stressed out state, we often perceive threat even when maybe it's not there. So yeah. that maybe somebody makes a comment at work and we think that they're attacking us and we have a snippy little remark back. <laughs> that might yeah. be something that you, and I'm sure you've experienced that, right? Sure, yeah. Man, I'll tell you what, I've got like an 18 month old and he definitely tests out waters. Tests out waters <laughs> right? Like constantly trying to just like, not be snappy, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the pursuit well, of lack of snappiness. And that's and that's a perfect example of how this shows up in different environments. So for instance, yeah. at home, when we're really stressed out, we snap at the people around us, whether it's our kids, whether it's our partner, and we can kind of sense it. And one of the things I talk about is something called neuroception. So mm -hmm. think your body has this scanner that's always scanning the environment around you. And it's subconscious, we're not aware of it, but it detects things. So have you ever come home and let's say your wife, Jess, um, you know, she's had a bad day. Maybe the kids have been crying all day or just kind of fussy. And you can just sense before she even says anything. It's like, Ooh, mm -hmm. it hasn't yeah, 100%. been a good yeah. 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 Or like, I'll, I'll give you like, even like a, not necessarily a better example, but a different one where it's like, like Bill even stronger would be like, um, you know, we also have a dog. And I remember there's this time where I was just talking about this with the patient today, actually, where um, Jess was uh, in her third trimester, right? Like 
eight months pregnant, something like that. And she was being a baller and trying to like walk with Julian in the stroller and walk our dog, Louie, who's an English bulldog. So he's not particularly tall, but he's like 65, 70 pounds. Right. So like, um, <laughs> it can be, he's low to the ground. So he can be a tank sometimes. And, um, as she was walking Lou, there's this other dog that started like, it was a really aggressive dog. And like, um, Louie was trying to protect Jess, we'll say, right. Or was trying to like, also like go at this dog. Right. And like, she's sitting there like getting almost like dragged into the street by Louie while also trying to protect Julian. And like all that happened when I wasn't home, but as soon as I walked in, you could feel that something happened, right? You're like, mm -hmm. what's up? Right. Like there's no kids crying. There's like, the house wasn't disrupted. That and that like sensation was there 100%. Yes. Well, and what we're touching on, this is so, so important. So again, because it's a felt sense, right? Like mm -hmm. Our bodies, our nervous systems feel other nervous systems. So we call it co-regulation, where my nervous system affects your nervous system. So if I'm super stressed out and anxious, you're going to feel it even if I don't say anything. Right. And so again, when we think about leadership, when we think about organizations, when we think about communities, when we think about our homes, it happens from the top down, right? And it can also be bottom up, right? Yeah. Where if a leader, if a parent is really stressed out, that is going to affect the culture and the felt sense of the entire organization. And it's going to have an impact in many different areas. Mm -hmm. And so that's some of what I do in my practice is look at, okay, what symptoms are we seeing what is this telling us about the health of the whole organization or family? And how can we get everybody working optimally so things are smooth, things are, you know, people are connected, but, you know, ideas are flowing and all of that so that there's greater ease. Yeah, man, I think that's awesome. So then, um, so then that was layer two, correct? Yes. Is there a third yes. layer then? So there's the third layer, I guess, like, is there a benefit to like each layer? Right. So like, um, cause like I, you know, we talk about this quite a bit in a different, in a different lens, right? Like we'll talk about like the sympathetic and parasympathetic with our patients and how like we can use that from a performance standpoint, right. Um, like a physical performance standpoint. So then, uh, you need both, right? Like you definitely need both. Um, it's just how much time do you spend in each one and like, what are the pros and cons to each and how can, why can you overdo it? And what does that mean? Right. So yeah. like, um, I'm sure that's the same way, but that's the same thing in this sense as well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we want to think about, again, we'll go to our analogy of the car. So like you said, the parasympathetic and the sympathetic are both important. So think of parasympathetic, like our brake pedal, sympathetic is our gas pedal. And we need both to be able to work that car, right? Mm -hmm. At the same time, what happens is we're, in, we're getting stuck or wearing out one system. Mm -hmm. So like you said, with sympathetic, it's mobilizing energy. Mm -hmm. And so think of excess energy. And it's, sometimes we want that. So sometimes you'll see like weightlifters where they'll use breath work to kind of enhance performance by doing those, those big mm -hmm. inhales, right? And we're stimulating that sympathetic nervous system in order to gain extra adrenaline and cortisol and really pump that system so that we can lift that weight, right? So yeah. that would be an example of when we want it. Another example might be with the sympathetic nervous system. Maybe you're cheering on your favorite team. You know, we had the Super Bowl recently. Yeah that might be right. It's a lot of excitement. It's a lot of energy. Um, sex is another one, right? So it's yeah. not all bad. It's when we 
we're getting stuck in these states of stress, right? Where mm-hmm. we're constantly pumping cortisol, which affects every organ in the body, yeah. and adrenaline, and we're getting stuck in that zone. And at that point, it's starting to affect sleep. It's starting to um, affect performance yep. in other areas. And that's what we want to be more mindful of. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I think like, uh, and that makes so much sense because it reminds me a lot of like, um, like I was at this conference and they were talking about like the difference of epinephrine and norepinephrine uh, usages, which is kind of, you can almost think about it as like sympathetic parasympathetic systems, right? Like, um, and how like, um, you know, they were, they were drawing a pretty cross strong comparison of like a rabbit, right? Like always in that sympathetic drive. We think of a rabbit, like they're sprinting all over the place, heavy heart rate, their nose is twitching, right? Like kind of going all over the place versus a lion, like, you know, we think about sleepy lions, right? Like if you're in Atlanta, you've ever been to the zoo, like they sleep like all the time. Right. But like when they want to go, they can go, right. There's not going to be a lot in their way. Right. So like, um, they talked about like, do you want to be a lion or a rabbit? Right. And so, um, most people probably would want to strive to be that lion versus the rabbit. But, um, so like to your point, like there's not a necessarily a negative phase here. It's just, which one are you, are you spending too much time in ones? Like, you know, cause if you're on the brake too much, like you're going to wear those brakes out, right? If you're on the gas too much, like that's also going to lead to a lot of problems. So I love that. Yeah. Well, and again, going back to that analogy of the car, when we think of that lion, we want to be able to use both and be flexible, right? We can Mm -hmm. use the gas pedal, but we know when we need to put on the brakes and we're allowing ourselves enough time. Because again, if we're stuck in that sympathetic or that middle zone, that's like we are slamming on the gas. We're going 100 miles an hour down the road. You know, even if we slam on the brakes because we're going so fast, it's going to mm-hmm. take a while to slow that car down, right? And yeah. so we want to be going a speed where we're able to react accordingly. And again, like you said, if we're getting stuck in either of these states, we're going to wear out our car and potentially break down, right? Mm-hmm. If we're not doing maintenance or self-care for that car, eventually we're going to wear out the car. Yeah. 100%. So then like, is this where like, uh, like burnout kind of comes into play? Like if people get stuck in these states, is that like a higher opportunity yes. for burnout or or, or how does that kind of happen? Yes, that's it. I mean, you nailed it. That's exactly what it is, is burnout is the product of getting stuck in one of these states and not being able to move out of it. So when we think of it as like a hierarchy, we have ventral vagal at the top, right? That's that zone where we feel safe, connected, We bump down into sympathetic. If we get stuck in sympathetic for too long, that fight or flight state, we've worn out our car, right? And Mm -hmm. our car is now going to break down. So now we're going into, we're going to go into that lower level zone called dorsal vagal. This is where now our body is conserving energy. Mm -hmm. Now we've used all of our energy, right? So our body is now broken down. This is the state where we feel more hopeless. We Mm. don't want to get out of bed. We're having a hard time getting motivated. We're numbing out a lot more. So we might be numbing with TV, with substances, doom scrolling on Instagram, Mm -hmm. but we're zoning out, right? We don't want to be there and we're having a hard time being in the present moment. And so at this point, again, when you think of that middle state sympathetic, I've got too much energy. When I drop down into that dorsal state or that bottom state, now I don't have enough energy, right? Mm-hmm. They're kind of inverse. Yeah, yeah. And then, so with that dorsal vagal, right? Dorsal vagal, um, with bottom that state, state, what's that? It's that bottom state, yeah. Yeah, with that bottom state. So like when, so here, I'm trying to imagine, like I've got a, I've got a, a 
um, a patient who is about to go on vacation. They're a pretty high performer, right? And um, they're actually super pumped up to be able to go on this vacation and like do like like work that they want to do, right? Like like not doing work stresses them out, which is good to know, right? So like um, don't let it consume your vacation, right? But um, he, this person in particular loves to wake up like a couple hour, couple hours early before the rest of his family, uh, go get a workout in and maybe do like an hour of like just quick like creative work for um, his company, right? So um, I imagine that being almost like a ventral vagal state where it's like, um, you kind of have access to everything you kind of want. Like you don't really have like a lot, like you feel very comfortable in that situation, right? Like it's hard not to feel comfortable on a beach on a vacation when like you're up toward the rest of the world. Um, and then with that dorsal vagal with burnout, uh, is that like, what are some other symptoms? I guess I'm trying to like imagine like, well, be like some good analogy. So I kind of get like not getting, being able to get out of bed or like doom scrolling. Right. But like, um, on, from an entrepreneur side, right? So like, let's, let's talk about like a leader, um, in some capacity, whether that's their community, their home, their, um, their business, like where would that person see that dorsal, um, vagal phase start impacting their day-to-day -day operations? Yeah. So when you think of, you know, when we're in that bottom state, especially if we're stuck there, that's yeah. when we start talking about burnout where, we are putting, we're trying really hard to get ourselves moving. Mm -hmm. And there's one, there's lack of motivation. Okay. You're a lot of fatigue. Mm -hmm. um, you're trying really hard. And again, you're trying to expend a lot of effort, but you're not really getting anywhere. Mm -hmm. You're going to feel a little bit foggy. It's going to be um, lack of focus. Mm -hmm. clarity. Because again, what, what you want to think about with either of these states, sympathetic or dorsal, right? When you're dysregulated, when you're stressed out, there are parts of the brain that biologically go offline, right? Mm -hmm. So the part of the brain that we want access to for problem solving, rational thinking, logic, right? Taking in new information that goes offline. And so it's not to say we can't learn, but it is very difficult to problem solve when you're in this zone, when you're stressed out. Mm -hmm. And so it's you're going to have to expend a lot more effort to get the same amount done mm -hmm. than if you're in that ventral vagal zone, if you're in that top safe zone. And so what you see is when people are chronically stressed, chronically anxious, depressed, dysregulated, whatever you want to say, whatever that state is, you're putting forth tons of energy and effort to do the same amount. And therefore you're going to be really tired. You feel fatigue. That's when you get that chronic fatigue, when you're having trouble sleeping or sleeping too much, right? Because it dysregulates your sleep, your digestion, all of those things. And so you're going to start to see that in your work. It's going to be hard um, creatively when I'm working with creative entrepreneurs who do some level of like writing or video production or things like that. They're struggling to come up with new ideas, right? Mm -hmm. There's just kind of this malaise or it's like they're just not able to produce what maybe they would have been able to produce before. And going back to your example of your um, entrepreneur, client or friend, where they're on vacation, a lot of it is looking at what zone are we creating from? Because mm -hmm. it's not from, because one of the things I hear, especially with um, leaders I work with, is they're all very high performing, high achieving, right? Sure. So their thing is like, well, 
yeah, I'm anxious or stressed, but I'm still able to do my job. Like, what do you mean? And it's not to say you can't do your job, but you're not working very efficiently because again, those same pieces of the brain, you know, you don't have everything performing together cohesively. And so it may take you longer. It may take more effort. And, and that's the difference from, you know, in that top zone, when we feel safe and connected, we're producing from a place where, um, there's some self-worth there, right? We're not trying to prove anything to anyone. We want to be doing it. It's just flowing from us creatively. It's not something that I'm doing because I feel like I have to, or because I'm trying to prove something or because um, my worth depends on it, so to speak, right? Right. So it's a little bit different, the felt sense. So purpose and like true purpose and passion come out of that top level state. Okay. And then- you know, it's interesting. I thought the point that you brought up about the entrepreneur, because like, honestly, if uh, this is something that like, I'll push back on a little bit too, right? So like, if I see, so like, I see a lot of um, information out there, right? And like, you know, in my world of physical therapy, like physical m- movement, right? And medicine is movement from the physical side of things. Like you see a lot of charlatans out there that'll take a concept that they don't really know a lot about. And then they just like, um, s- s- like shout it from the mountaintops of like, and they just create a lot of noise, Right. So like what I'll see, uh, so I see a lot of like similar things I feel like happen in the space of mental health and the space of executive coaching and the space of mental clarity. Right. And so like the whole idea of like living anxiety free, I feel like is almost like a little bit of a fallacy, right? Like, um, it's probably just not going to happen. Um, but like, what are some signs, I guess? Cause like, um, you know, feeling emotions, you know, kind of goes back to that Disney movie. What's that Disney movie inside out, right? Like yes, all yes. emotions are good. Right. Um, and they have a, they have a purpose, a point to them. Purpose. Yeah. So like, but when does, when can you tell, like, what are some signs and symptoms, I guess, that like this anxiety or these feelings that you have are almost becoming a little too persistent or they're starting to cause problems. Right. So like, I guess like in a way, cause we all kind of know, like if we're, if we're feeling too anxious, like we might feel like we're a little too distracted. Right. But like, what is too distracted versus like, like, uh, you know, what is, is there like some signs we can look out for to know like that distraction is just coming from like, maybe we're just not creating like enough like space for ourselves versus like, oh man, we just need, we need to like actually pay attention because we're sitting, we're getting too much time in that sympathetic state. We're spending too much or we're leading into that dorsal ventral vagal spot. Right. So, uh, (laughs) Bottom level. Yeah. Yeah. The bottom level. Like, like, how do we, how do we, how do we get ahead of it to where we don't hit that point? Right. Well, and that's a beautiful segue because really a lot of what I hope for with all of the clients I work with is developing a relationship with the body. Because again, the body is always speaking to us. And I mean, with what you do, obviously you deal with the physical body, you see it. And the problem I often see is that we're so disconnected from our bodies. And so again, we're always getting these signs in our body that's telling us like, hey, I need something. Mm -hmm. And when we develop a relationship where we understand the language of the body and what it's trying to say, we're able to see like, ooh, I need to slow down or ooh, I'm feeling really stressed or ooh, I'm feeling the sensation in my chest and it's telling me I feel a little overwhelmed, right? Whatever that sensation is, it's telling you something. It's communicating something. And when we have a relationship where we're listening, we're tuning in, we hear it, we see it, we feel it, and then we can give our body what it needs, that sensation moves, right? And it's that idea of being able to actually tune into our feelings and not ignore or repress it. When we actually sit with the sensation, 
what you find every time is that it goes away. Like you Mm -hmm. give it a little bit of space and it goes away and it kind of moves on and it just needs to be validated and seen. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us are afraid that if I give it any room, it's going to take over. And so, you know, you know, you're a parent and what you often see with kids is the same thing is they have a need, they're expressing the need. And when we have a relationship and are able to tune in and see, oh, you know, Julian's hungry or, oh, wow, he's showing signs. He's starting to break down. He needs a nap, right? Yeah. You get ahead of it. The household runs very smoothly. You see the need, you address the need. We're good. It's when we ignore it, what happens to that child? What do they do? Meltdown, man. Like meltdown. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and that's exactly what I see with all of my clients is when we're not tuned into our bodies and we're they're having to get louder and louder. So what you'll see are often signs of illness. So yeah. it could be something major, like an autoimmune d- disorder. It could be something minor, like they're constantly getting colds, like mm. that. You know, sometimes you'll have somebody that works with you that it's like, oh my gosh, they always have migraines or they're. Yeah always late for work or they're constantly sick. And that's the body saying like, Hey, something's not quite right here. Mm -hmm. Um, sleep and digestion are the two. I mean, those are the two major ones you see first are either too much sleep or not enough sleep, right? That their brain's not able to turn off. It's going, 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 going. And so people aren't able to get adequate sleep or restful sleep. And then digestion being the other people are overeating, undereating, you know, having stomach aches, constipation, things like that are big cues that something's not quite right. Yeah. So, okay. That makes a ton of sense, especially like, um, what did a patient say to me one time? She was stressed out. Uh, it was like, she had like the stress, stress tummy or something like that. I was like, (laughs) that's the first time I've ever heard that term, but I get it right. Like, um, but, ah, man, I think that makes a ton of sense. So like, if somebody starts like, um, feeling these things right so like um what are some ways like so you talked about like acknowledging it acknowledging those emotions or acknowledging that those feelings and kind of giving it space like are there any like ways that you can uh recommend that like people would like any like blankets like techniques to like help um kind of like avoid those from getting from getting in those positions to begin with um like because like it's very easy i think especially if to take a little bit of information and try to apply it to everything. And then all of a sudden you find yourself stuck in like these dysregulated states, or you find yourself stuck in like this, uh, like autopilot state of sympathetic drive all the time. Right. So like if people get in those positions, like, are there any like blanket techniques you can give for like people to get out of that or prevent it from happening in the first place? Yes. So I'm glad you asked. So there's one thing that I often will tell people to do first. So the first thing is tuning into your body to just notice what your body feels like and how it changes through the day. Because what happens is sometimes when you jump straight into techniques or straight into breath work or whatever it is, if you don't know when to use it, it's not very helpful. So again, let's take the analogy of the car. If I wait to slam on the brakes until I'm going 120 miles per hour, sure, I can use the technique, But because my body is so amped up, it's going to take a while to slow down. So what I want Mm -hmm. people to start to notice is what are the signs and symptoms that tell me that I'm inching up? Maybe I started at 50 miles per hour and now I'm at 60 or 70. 
that's when we want to start implementing some of the techniques, not when we're at 120 miles per hour. So right. the first step is lo- like a kind of tuning into the body to notice what are the signs and symptoms that tell me when I'm hitting these zones. And so some of them for sympathetic or when that kind of amped up anxious state, you know, heart rate, when my heart starts to beat really fast, yeah. or when I feel like I have a brick on my chest, right? Yeah. I can't quite get a deep breath. My thoughts are racing. These are all symptoms that you might see. Now, once you start to tune in and notice like, okay, I'm headed towards that zone. What do you do about it? So the thing I give people is who, what, when, where. So Mm -hmm. the who, who are the people I go to that help me feel safe, right? That Mm -hmm. I feel comfortable. I feel safe. I feel connected. After I talk to this person, I feel a sense of ease, like, whoo, I feel better. I can go tackle this problem. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes these are people that just in any scenario are great. Sometimes we have different people in different categories. So it might be, I have certain people at when it's a work-related problem, maybe a mentor that I go to that is really great when I get stuck. There's some people where it's a personal, maybe it's a family relationship, you know, a partner or mom, dad, um, friend, someone like that. That's great to go to. The thing, the other thing to keep in mind, though, is with co-regulation, again, my nervous system is affected by others. So if I'm really anxious and stressed out and I'm going to a friend who is also really anxious and stressed out. Mm-hmm. That may not necessarily help me. Not to say that that's a bad friend, but in that situation, it's going to be hard for them to calm me down mm-hmm. if they're not regulated and calm themselves, right? Because their energy is affecting mine. And now I leave the situation feeling more amped up than when I started. Right. The other thing from a leadership perspective to think about is am I that safe person that people can come to? Because as a leader, you're really stressed out all the time. People are not going to feel comfortable coming to you with problems or coming to you for guidance in the home. If you're a parent and really stressed out, you know, noticing how that's impacting the other people in your home. Are you Mm -hmm. that cool, calm, regulated force that sort of anchors the family? Or are you the force that's kind of putting everybody off course, right? Yeah. Yeah. So thinking about those questions, the what is what are activities or things I engage in that give me that sense of ease or calm? So in that activated state, you might need to get some of that energy out. So maybe it's slamming it around um, a tennis ball with a friend right on the court. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's doing a workout or yoga or taking a run. Maybe mm-hmm. it's reading a book quietly outside in the hammock. Maybe mm-hmm. it's taking a hike with a friend, you know, what are those things that you do that you notice after I engage in these activities, I feel better. Yeah. Um, and then where, where, what are some of the environments that help put me at ease? So think nature is a big one. Most people sure. biologically, right. We feel better when we're outside. So yeah. how can I get outside? What are environments maybe at work? Again, if you're in leadership, can I create some spaces that kind of can help people decompress? You know, at some of the big companies, they have these like Zen rooms and things like that with soft music that you can go into for a few minutes, you know, to just sort of take a minute to yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the last one is when. So when are pockets of time that you can maybe set aside to help reset yourself when you're feeling off. So some good ones might be um, when I'm driving home from work, 
right? Mm-hmm. So I can put on, we know music and vibration has a huge impact on our bodies. What types of music might help me depending on what state I'm in as I'm driving home from work to sort of transition me from whatever happened that day into going into the home. So I'm not carrying that stress into my house, right? Yeah. It might be, I like to book in my day. So mm-hmm. maybe setting the day, what are some things I do in the morning to help set my day and make sure I'm going into the day in that ventral or top level state. So it might be journaling or breath work or um, yoga or just, you know, sitting quietly before everybody wakes up, not getting on the phone. That's a big one, you know, yeah. scrolling and going through emails and things like that. Yeah. And then again, before bed to kind of wind down before I'm getting into bed. Yeah. Well, I think what's important about, I'm pretty sure every single one of those categories I was trying to go through and make notes was that like, you talked about like things that you can do to help you. Right. So like, um, especially if you're like a high performer or like, if you have like, if you're a leader of a team or a, com- or a community or your household or whatever, right. Like there's a lot of, I would argue like innate, um, drive and desire to try to help other people. Right. And try to make sure that you're there for other people and that you're doing helping them out as much as you can. Right. But it's interesting because like everything that you just talked about ways to help the organization is how can you develop yourself in a better way? Right. So like, what do you like to do? What activities do you enjoy? What environments do you feel the best in? What music do you like to listen to? How can you book in your day? Right. Like these are all really important aspects I think to understand to like, um, common themes there is like, you got to take care of yourself, right? Like, and you got to make time to take care of yourself. Cause like, we, you know, we talked about it before the podcast, we talked about it a little bit on the podcast. Like if we're not making sure that we're taking time for us, then like um, we're going to quickly drain that cup, um, drain our batteries. And then I'm assuming in your line of work, that's where you will typically see a lot of people in either one of those dorsal states, right. Or the ventral or the dorsal state there. So like, um, I think that's all super, super sound advice, but then let me ask you this then, right? Cause like life is messy, right? Like, I think that's like, um, we I all think, know that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I think this idea, um, and maybe this is me projecting a little bit, right. But I think this idea of like living this like super clean or, uh, life is like great to strive for, but in reality it's probably just not going to happen. Right. Like there's always going to be things outside your control that you have to deal with. Right. Um, so like, is the idea to constantly like be in a zenful balanced state is that what we're always striving for and we're failing if we're not in that state or like what's the goal there yes that's a great question so no absolutely not because again we want to think about the body is designed to keep us safe, right? Mm-hmm. So we're never going to live a life where there's zero dysregulation, right? We want that. We want our body to be able to detect where there's threat because sometimes in life there is, and yeah. that's the reality. What we want though, is that we have, again, that flexibility. We have a flexible nervous system where again, when we think of the car, we're able to go in and out of these states pretty seamlessly. So again, I mean, I'm a therapist, executive coach, I know all of these things, but of course I get dysregulated. Of course I feel stress. Of course, you know, these are all very natural states. However, over time, I'm able to enter in and out and I can notice and feel myself when I'm getting in that state. And I'm like, Ooh, I need to go down or, Oh my gosh, you know what? I got invited out tonight, but like, I just, I've overdone it. I need to take some time at home, need Mm -hmm. to go to bed early. I need some time to reset, right? So 
think it doesn't have to be major overhaul. A lot of people think like, oh my gosh, I've got to create a Zen room in my house and I've got to do meditation, you know, 30 minutes a day, every day. And if I don't, I'm a failure. Again, I think, you know, a big piece is remembering what I'm saying to myself in those thoughts create a nervous system state. So for instance, even the language should we be striving for this? Do we have to be in this state all the time? Like that gets me a little dysregulated just hearing it. Cause then of course the first thought is like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing that. What does that mean for me? Is there something wrong? Right. Am I going to mm-hmm. you know, be in this state forever? It's more of think of it more as an invitation, mm-hmm. right? And when we invite ourselves into these states that are a little bit, you know, these little pockets of time. And again, I'm a mom as well. So you know, when you have a toddler, life moves fast, right? There's always hiccups and tantrums and all of, you know, the life in, as we say. (laughs) And so there's moments where it is, you know, I don't always have time for meditation. I don't always have time to do some of these things. So how can I have portable practice practices to embed into things Mm -hmm. I'm already doing? So for me, it might look like, okay, while I'm making my coffee, I'm tuning into my body. I'm tuning into my breath. I'm slowing things down. Another one that actually, I don't think I've told you this one. Um, So we talked about sound, how sound and vibration have such an impact on the body Mm -hmm. and sound healing, sound baths. We've always, you know, we've heard of those. You can actually look up online um, sound healing and get, they have a different, you know, frequency for different things. Like there's a frequency for clarity, or if you're trying to, for sleep, there's one for concentration, there's one for, and, you know, it's funny, it was a couple of weeks ago, I just kind of decided to turn, I had one on and my son, Jack woke up from his nap and I just decided to leave it on Mm -hmm. and he comes out and I had some crayons and, you know, coloring book out for him. He sat there and we both sat there and colored for, I mean, it was like an hour and a half. And he, I mean, it was so calm. I mean, it was just, I couldn't believe it. He was so quiet. We were both so connected. And it was interesting to me how just having that on in the background had made such a difference in the environment. So again, it doesn't have to be something, you know, some big overhaul. We can put in these little pockets, these little things that can really make a difference in the course of your day. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's, uh, I love that. I'm definitely going to, I'm definitely going to Google that as soon as as we get (laughs) off this podcast. Uh, but it makes so much sense. It reminds me a lot when, of like this book that I'm reading right now called persuasion. Right. And like, um, you know, and one of the bar- parts of the book, he's talking about like how much like it's like concentration, right? And how like there's like pay attention, right? Like there's a cost to paying attention and there's a cost to changing attention, right? And mm-hmm. we and so talking about like sound and vibration, like one of the examples he gave of like how we think we tune things out, we can actually like and like we'll get like we'll drown out the noise or whatever, right? Like there's this really interesting study where they looked at kids that um, were like in like inner city schools or like school systems that were like near like a train track or something like that. And they saw that like test scores, concentration capabilities, ADHD and everything else was way higher in these environments that had background noise that you would think would just be drowned out eventually. It's like you wouldn't hear it anymore. Right. Um, And then as soon as they put in like some sound deadening um, supplies in the office or in these in these classrooms, same students. Right. Like 
uh, tension levels went up, test scores went up, like um, enjoyment at school went up, ADHD went down, or like the thought of ADHD went down, right? Like all these things. And it's just by simply changing the sounds and the vibrations that these uh, kids were feeling. And that can actually absolutely be extrapolated into the workspace as well and into our personal lives too. So I think that's, I, man, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm very much into working smarter, not harder. So it's what can we do to help enhance our environments, enhance mm-hmm. the system so that we're all functioning optimally. So again, we have this ease flow where things feel easier and everything doesn't have to feel so difficult. Yeah. Okay. So like, all right. So, um, I obviously own a company, right? And then, um, so should I go through and create sound baths in all my PT's rooms or should I, <laughs> like, how can, as like, you know, I kind of say that like cheek and tongue, but like if, um, how can leaders, right? Like, how can we like, um, regardless if it's a leader of a household, a company, uh, your community, all the above, right? In a lot of situations, like how can leaders like utilize coaching someone like you or otherwise to help create some of these spaces here? Yeah. So I think, again, the first thing is investment in yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And how am I showing up? Because we know through the research and co-regulation how we influence each other by how we show up. And we can't always control, very rarely can we control other people, but we can control the energy and what we're contributing to our environments and to our organizations. And so I think the first thing is investing in yourself. The second is, you know, a lot of what I do as well is going into companies or organizations and helping them kind of look at and consult with, you know, where can we add a few tweaks here and there? What what are you seeing? What symptoms are you seeing? And what can we do to help optimize your team so you're communicating better? So, you know, the connection is there. So the stress levels are down. You know, what does that mean? And again, it doesn't always have to be these huge overhauls. Sometimes it's tiny tweaks that we can do that can make a big difference. But again, if you're not looking for them and you don't really know what the root cause is, it can be hard to identify and therefore, you know, shift in order to get the maximum benefit. Man, that's awesome. Um, and totally agree. I think like, you know, it's interesting, like, um, and I think you're seeing it more and more, you probably speak on it more than I could, but like, you're seeing uh, more people put more of an emphasis on this and like trying to find more, right? Because like, um, just like as a, if you're trying to, I don't know, learn how to play a guitar, right? Like you could always try to self-teach yourself, right? But like probably gonna have, you're gonna get a lot better results, gonna get a lot faster too, if you get a coach, right? If you're trying to um, get your health in check, right? Like that's our bread and butter, like our physical health, right? Like, and it all plays together, but it makes a lot of sense to get somebody that can help you with that, get a coach, right? Um, getting a coach to help you with your leadership style, to help you create these environments for your teams, your community. Um, it just makes too much sense to not do that. And um, that it's like this interesting idea of like cost versus investment, which we all hear and it kind of gets a little drowned out sometimes, but like the meaning behind it is so important to truly understand that like you, you will, you may not directly feel those results like uh, from like an ROI standpoint, but like, pervasively, it's going to persist throughout all of your um, daily functions, whether that's your work life, your home life, your um, your community, yeah. right? So I think uh, the ROI there is like, it's compounding and it's, and it's um, exponential versus linear. Yeah, well, and exactly. And again, when we're in these states of stress and dysregulation, parts of the brain literally go offline. So it's like, if you're 
you know, constantly working in that state, you're not going to be very efficient. And if we can save you some time and get you working optimally, that's going to give you a lot more time, energy, and space outside of work, you know, for home, for vacation, for connection, for friends, for all these other things that you want to do. And that in turn is going to, again, benefit you. You're going to feel, um, better levels of mental health and clarity than that again, translate into the workforce. So, yeah. Well, Meg, this has been amazing. If somebody wanted to, so then I guess the recap really quick, like, you know, like <laughs> the, there's a lot that we covered, so I'll do my best and you can pick up the pieces where I drop off. Right. So <laughs> we have three main states. We've got our ventral, our central nerve or our sympathetic and parasympathetic, and we have our dorsal vagal systems, right? We uh, want to strive for, or we want to like that ventral vagal is like the uh, nice up down. It's optimal, right? Like that's great. That's our, our flow state. That's a, you know, uh, but then uh, no state is necessarily bad. We kind of need them all, but it's just like, we don't want to, we don't want to spend too much time in one state, right? Um, signs of, uh, you want to be able to catch yourself before we want to have some nice, nice body awareness, right? So we want to be able to catch ourselves uh, before we hit that 120 mile per hour mark and need to hit the brakes, right? So paying attention to signs like that brick on your chest or the difficult or like the distraction or the difficulty getting out of bed, right? Um, no catching those upstream before they become those d- bigger problems, um, is super important. And then the goal is not to strive for, uh, for perfection. It's to being able to quickly be able to have the agility to get in and out of different states that we're trying to strive for. Um, and then the best way to kind of learn how to do these things is to get a, is to get a, um, expert such as yourself, uh, to be able to help you out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Awesome. Well, if people wanted to reach out to you and learn more about this and, learn how to regulate their nervous system and get out of this autopiloted dysregulated state, right? Like what are some cool ways that they can do it? Yeah. So you can reach me um, by email, Megan, M-E-G-A-N at MeganGillespie.com. You can go to my website, MeganGillespie.com. Again, that's M-E-G-A-N-G-I-L-L-E-S-P-I-E.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at Megan E. Gillespie. Awesome. Well, Meg, thanks so much for getting on the podcast. I really enjoy it. Always learn so much with our conversations and I know our audience as well. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Athletes Potential and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free in life, head over to athletespotential.com to learn more.